Hi everybody, welcome to the 100 Pounder Overeaters Anonymous meeting on Wednesday, the 17th of November, 2021. My name is Rita Q and today I am absolutely delighted to have Rhea B come to speak. Rhea has been in uh, OA since 2002 and originally hails from New Jersey and I'm gonna hand it over to her now to give her experience, strength and hope. Take it away, Rhea. Thank you, Rita. Um, she's absolutely right. I have been torturing her um, for the past year and a half. I just call her and spew my crazy all over her, but she invited me to speak. So maybe there's something, some merit to what I'm saying. I don't know. Anyway, my name is Rhea. Hello, friends. It's lovely to see all of you. Um, my name is Rhea. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic, and I live in Israel. I moved here about four months ago, and we'll get to that. But um, so that's, I'm actually ahead of most of you. Um, but I don't mind because I will do anything for service and I get to shut my door and ignore my children for an hour and a half. So fine with me. Um, I, you know what, Rita, can you put up that, the picture thing? Cause I just want to illustrate. Um, I have been a compulsive overeater from a very young age. My, so if you look over here up on the top left, that's a picture of me at the age of 10. Um, I, from the time I was six months old, we have a video of me at six months old where my parents are sitting. I'm in a little high chair in between my parents and, um, they're eating a tub of something cold and they're, I'm watching them with interest and they decide just, you know, let's indulge her. And they give me a little spoonful. And on this video, you can see my eyes light up like, like a winning slot machine. And for the next 10 minutes, you just hear me grunting at them. <clears throat> give me more, give me more. Um, and they did. And they were laughing the whole time, like as I consumed more and more of this substance. And it, that was pretty much my pattern for the next 20 years. <laughs> so that's how that went down. Rita, thank you. I'll, I'll get back to the in a little bit. Um, anyway, so but I, I knew from the time I was five years old that I didn't eat like other people. I didn't see other kids digging pizza crusts and, you know, abandoned deli sandwiches out of the garbage cans. No other kids I knew stole other kids' snacks from their lunches. Um, and from what I could tell, people weren't thinking about food the way that I was. I knew this even when I was young. Um, but there was nothing I could really do about it. And I was an active kid for a while, very athletic. And then when I was around eight years old, as you saw from that picture, um, up to the age of 10, I started putting on weight. And when I started putting on weight, my mother with the best intentions, um, offered to help me go on commercial diets. Um, and so that's what I did for the next decade. I attempted and failed every possible commercial diet program that you can think of. I've done it. Um, I have, I really never lost more than 20 pounds. Once I lost 30, I still don't know how I did that. Um, but really like I, I didn't understand that this wasn't a question of willpower. And so I was just, you know, a constant stream of failures. And plus, because I was doing it alongside my mother, um, may she rest in peace. I felt like a double failure because she was invested in it, not because we were in competition, but because she really wanted me to feel better. She wanted me to be happy. And so I felt like I was failing her while I was failing myself. So I didn't understand that this was something beyond my control. You know, I, I grew up in America, right? So for those of you who are American, 
we're all about like pull yourself up from the bootstraps and make it happen. Um, there's no, there's no powerlessness. Powerlessness is weakness. And I couldn't, it, I couldn't understand that I had a weakness or a powerlessness in this regard. So, you know, my life was characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that I could eat like other people. So my weight continued to climb. I was well into the 200s by the time I was 14 years old. And my mother and I went down to stay in one of the most prestigious, if not the most prestigious diet and fitness centers in the United States um, when I was 14. And I called it the celebrity fat farm because if you walk down the hallway, you saw pictures of like all the fat celebrities who had been there. Um, so, you know, I count myself among them. <laughs> anyway, so I spent um, a month there and they did cooking demos and they did mindful eating meals and they did lectures and exercise do. And, you know, all the things that you do to lose weight, they did them. And, you know, I think that's a common misconception about fat people that like, we don't know better. And it's like, actually, I probably have like PhD level knowledge in diet and nutrition. I just can't apply it. Um, and I remember sitting in a lecture with this like professional diet person and they're talking about caloric intake versus metabolic input. Like if you eat, if you exercise more and burn more than you eat, then you'll lose weight, A plus B equals C. And I was like, yeah, I, I knew that when I was like nine. Um, but I raised my hand and I said to this person, like, listen, when I was 14, I, I guess I just knew this then. Um, I was like, you know, if there's like a cake in the kitchen that's talking to me, what do I do? And she looked at me and she was like, just don't eat it. And I was like, shit, because out of like the multiple choice question that I just asked you, just don't eat it is not one of the answers. It's like, A, eat it now, B, eat it later, C, eat half of it and hide the rest so no one else eats it. See, eat it and throw it up. You know, like there was no, don't eat it. It was going to get eaten. It was just a question of when and how. That's it. So I understood that even then. And that it was really scary for me when that, that person said that to me, because I was like, that was when I knew, like even the doctors, these are the experts and they can't help me. They just said, just don't eat it. And I was like, if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be here in the first place, guys. Um, anyway. So by the time I was 16, I was, you know, around 250 pounds somewhere in there. Um, I don't know what that is in, in stone because I'm an ignorant American and in America, America is the only country in the world. So we don't know about what other people do. I'm useless at the metric system. Sorry. Anyway, I was fat. <laughs> so um, I remember, and the weight kept going up and up and up and up. And I knew there was nothing I could do about it. And I had made this deal with myself in my brain that if I ever saw the number 300 on the scale, I would kill myself. Like in complete seriousness, I knew like that was when life was over. But I felt like I was on this like slippery slope. There was nothing I could do. And the numbers kept climbing. So at my school, because I went to a nice Jewish private school with lots of like rich, troubled white kids. And they brought in this woman who I guess had been some kind of athlete or something. And she talked about how she wanted to control her weight and she would eat whatever she wanted and then throw it up and she wouldn't gain weight. And like, you know, then went on to talk about the health, 
like risks of that sort of thing. Like she was there ostensibly to deter people from bulimia, but I got as far as like eat what you want and not gain weight. And I was like, that's genius. That is genius. Um, and so that was when I started bulimia. So I'm an overachiever. And so within just a few months, I was binging and purging eight to 10 times a day. Um, you know, sneaking out, going out of class, going to the vending machines, eating in class, going out again to uh, throw up. And, you know, it, it was, you know, there are a lot of people I hear in the rooms who, you know, I could never do it. It was really hard for me. I always, I had no problem with bulimia. It came very easily to me. I had none of that like gag reflex stuff, but also it was very painful in some regards, just very intense experience. And it felt like I was punishing myself and I felt like I deserved that. So it, it kind of, it kind of worked for me, truthfully. Um, so there were some interventions. My, I shared a bathroom with my sister and she told my mother and there was a whole, you know, I had to go to another eating disorder thing and they stopped me, quote unquote. But there was one night before they did that I was binging and, excuse me, I was purging and a piece of food got caught in my throat and I could not get it out. And I was like, this is like my mama cast moment where they're going to come and find me dead in the bathroom, you know, and like my secret's going to be spilled. Like they're going to discover that I'm fat, <laughs> like as if they didn't know, you know, but like it was, it was, I was more scared of being found after I died than dying itself. Um, but in my head, I was like, God, please, like, just please, please let the, just don't let me die like this. I cannot die like this. I promise I'll never do this again. Please, I'll, I just won't. And somehow, I still to this day don't know how, the food just dislodged and I didn't die, clearly. So I don't know what happened, but I didn't keep my promise because 10 minutes later, I went downstairs to get more food. So um, I wasn't so reliable back then. Anyway, time went on. I went to college um, and the binging, I was able to pick up purging again because now I was on my own. Um, but I was really, really struggling um, with the food. And also I was an obese person in college. So while all of my peers were, you know, having sex and making those early twenties mistakes, I was watching on the sidelines. I really removed myself from, from uh, being among the human race. I really, I was so afraid of people and, you know, there is my own like body image and sexuality stuff where I was afraid of being assaulted or, you know, manipulated or brought into a, an abusive relationship. And I didn't trust myself enough to know how to navigate those things. And so I hid in food and I used my, my fat body to keep people away. Um, and that's not to say that there are not plenty of people who have, who are obese, who find partners. There are, um, and they are very happy and they have wonderful relationships. But I use that as like wholesale, like removing myself from the, the dating pool. Like they could never like me because I looked like this. Um, and that was my security. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's what I did. Um, anyway, so around the time I was 20, no, I was 19, excuse me, in 2002. Is that right? Yeah. 19, 20, whatever. Anyway, I was around there. And somehow I had heard about OA, I still to this day do not remember, but I was working on a screenplay at the time. I went to school for film and screenwriting. And so I was working on a screenplay about the diet industry because I figured if I wrote a, um, if I wrote a screenplay about like 
how diets don't work, then nobody would get, blame me for being fat anymore. This is, you know, this is what we do. Anyway, so I called my mother who was in New Jersey. If you haven't noticed by now, we were super codependent. But anyway, I called her and I was like, um, I heard about this group of fat people that gets together and talks about food. So can you go to one of their meetings and then like call me back and tell me what they said so I can put it in my screenplay? And she was like, yeah. So she went and she called me back and she was like, you know, you might want to go to one of those meetings. And I was like, oh, me? Like as if she had like called me a pedophile or something. Like me, how could, how could I, you know? And it's like, so I, I still don't know why I was willing. I guess like you have enough pain, you're willing to do something. But anyway, I was 19 years old and it was, I remember it was a cold morning in February. So I don't know, most of you don't know me well or at all. I'm one of those people, like there are two things in life I hate. I hate traffic and I hate cold weather. I lived in New Jersey, <laughs> with like the capital of traffic and cold weather for many, many years because life had me there. But as soon as I was able to, I moved to Israel because I don't want to see snow or changing leaves ever again. I don't care. I've seen it 38 times. I know what happens. They change color and they die. And then snow falls from the sky and everyone's excited for like a day and then it turns brown and it's sad. Okay. I know what happens. So like cold weather is not no, but it was, but for some reason I was willing that day to put on my jacket and my boots and my hat and trudge up Tremont Street to the church there that was a few blocks down from my dorm. So I go into this meeting. So first of all, I didn't go in right away. I showed up late, obviously. And I looked, there was like a window in the door and I looked in the window and there were all these people there. So first of all, like there was out of the, like, let's say dozen or so people there, like one of them was actually fat. So I was like, clearly these people are spies. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this meeting is, but I don't know, I'm just going home, this is stupid. But then someone saw me through the window and they were like, so fine. So I had to go into the meeting. So I go into this meeting and I'm looking around. And first of all, there's like this poster on the wall with like 12 steps and then another poster with, it says 12 traditions. And then people are just like, no one's weighing me. No one's like giving me prepackaged food to buy. And they're all just talking about like, like their Valentine's day. And I'm like, what is going on? I had no idea. But this guy next to me was like, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm a compulsive overeater. And as soon as I heard those words, it was like that same like winning slot machine thing. Like, oh, there's a name for this thing. Whatever he just said, I'm that. Like, I'm for sure that. And if he's that and I'm that, and all these people say they're that, then that means that I'm not the only one and I'm not a freak. So even though I wasn't fully aware of what was going on or what these people was talking were talking about, I was like, if I said to these people, I can't not eat it, they would know what I mean. And so I decided no matter what, I was just gonna keep coming back to these meetings. And I did, I came back for two years. And during that time, I got to do some research into my disease to see just how bad it could get. Um, and it got really bad because here's the thing, program, OA is like the mafia. So like once you get in, you can't get out. So, I mean, you can leave, you can not go to meetings, but if you eat, it's not fun anymore because you know what you're doing. It's not fun anymore. You ruined it. <laughs> OA ruins it. <laughs> okay. So um, I would, because now I knew what was going on and I would fight with myself. Um, but I just, I wasn't, 
I wasn't willing. I wasn't willing to do what I was told. Somebody asked me to call them and tell them what I was going to eat that day. And I felt like they were asking me to show them my underwear. I was like, what? That's so weird. Why are you asking me that? Um, you know, I, the 12 steps, I, I had, I was vaguely aware that they existed, but like, if I had a big book, I just read the stories in the back. I thought it was just, I thought of OA as this like group therapy slash diet thing. I just, it was this like club sort of. Um, and then one night, um, I was chatting with someone online and, um, cause I, you know, once I graduated college and was qualified to make movies and wait tables and was compulsively eating to the point where I could barely leave my house. I moved in with my parents. And when I wasn't in school doing my grad work, I was online talking with strangers. So I, um, I was talking to this guy one night and we were really hanging it off. We talked for a few weeks and he was like, so tell me what you look like, which is like the dreaded question. And I, um, for some reason, I decided to be honest with him. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm fat, but I'm in this program called Overeaters Anonymous and I am losing weight. And he, um, he never answered me again. And I think that I, that was this moment where like, you know how, like if I think of like a bottle almost, right? And I had this shame bottle in my body, in my body, in my heart. And my whole life, it filled and filled and filled and filled and filled. Like that was when it topped. That was the moment where I was like, there is no more room for any more shame in this heart, in this world, in this life. I can't do that anymore. And I went to a meeting very soon after that. And there were these women in the meeting who had what I wanted. They had lost 200 plus pounds. They'd been maintaining it for a long time. These women had husbands and careers and children and everything that I wanted. And this thought came to me like out of nowhere, like maybe if I do what they do, I'll have what they have. That same like A plus B equals C thing. It was like one of those cartoon light bulb things. And that was March 29th, 2004. I went to a, a woman there and I asked her to sponsor me. And that was when I got abstinent. So she taught me the women in that group taught me how to eat. The, that group was very, was very much in line with the OA of the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, but that were super focused on like food plans and, and um, you know, what, what and how you're eating, which at the time I really needed because I didn't know how to have a meal. I just knew how to wake up and eat all day and then go to sleep. Um, I needed to learn how to put food on a plate, sit down, eat it, and have my meal have a beginning, middle, and end. I needed to know, learn how to learn what a portion was. I needed to learn how to cook. I didn't know how to cook um, and prepare food for myself and shop. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to do these things. And so I credit, I credit that beginning to them. And what they taught me worked because within a year and a half, I had gone down to 120 pounds. I weigh, I am five, four. I'm like, you know, I have, I come from a family of giants. So I'm like the runt. And so I'm this like little, little pixie in the family. And so when I lost this weight, um, my weight went down really a little, uh, I'd say a lot too low because I stopped getting my period and I was cold all the time and I started bruising a lot, but I didn't care. <laughs> you know, I could wear a size two from the gap. So who cares? You know? And people were looking at me like I was normal and like I had arrived and I had accomplished something. 
And I'll tell you something, I have never been more rageful or terrified in my life. Um, I looked good and in America, if it looks good, it is good. But let me tell you something, I was rotten on the inside because I had never, I hadn't done anything except change my body. And I think of it this way, like, you know, in the Terminator where you have like those robots that look like humans, but then they pull you into a room by yourself and then they like melt into robot face and then they eat you. Like that's what I was. I looked like a normal person, but really I was just an unmedicated sociopath because I had I was like just self will self will run amok. And so that when I kept clashing and and raging and ruining relationships and ruining job opportunities, I was just I was just breaking things over and over. My hair looked cute and my outfits were cute, but I kept breaking things and breaking people. And so that was when I connected with um, a group of people who were strongly connected with the big book. And I went to them and I said, tell me what to do because I would, at least when I was fat, I had something to take the edge off. Now I've got nothing. Um, and that was, that's how I'm really convinced that compulsive eating has really nothing to do with food. Food is just like the medicine that I chose. Our, our, addict, our disease is the same, no matter what drug we use. So anyway, that was when I got turned on to the big book. And that has been a process that has carried me through since then. So that was around 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Um, and it's through that process that I've learned to find God, um, which they say in the big book is the whole point of this program. It's not to lose weight. Losing weight is a byproduct and I'll get to weight in a minute. Losing weight is a byproduct. And it's not even my business what I weigh or what I look like. I like to think it is, but it's not. My job is to turn myself into an instrument for God's use. And I didn't really get that that's, that was the way to peace. It's so antithetical to the way that I think which is I need to take what I need from everyone because there's not enough for me. And once I have that, I'll feel better. But if I'm constantly trying to fill a well that's constantly emptying, it's never gonna be full. What I have to do is give and it replenishes itself constantly. And like, I'm still, like that's still an instinct that I am relearning and relearning. But since then, I have come to know God as an entity in my life that is real. Um, I had an experience one night where I sat and did a seventh step and I felt God's presence in the room. Like I know that you are all there wherever you are listening to me right now. I can't unhave that experience. Do I walk around humming every day, feeling at one with the, like to, if there was something like near, like enlightenment, I felt like that was my moment. Do I walk around like that every day? Hell no. I almost killed someone on a freaking motorcycle today on the highway and my kids were in the car and I was like, excuse my language, fucking motorcycle. You know, like I'm certainly not like humming with the celestial angels or whatever all the time. Um, but today I have a way to live, which is a big difference. So that being said, um, I don't weigh 125 pounds anymore. I have since had three children, given birth to three children. I have five, two of whom are my stepchildren. So I've given birth to three children. So if you are a woman who has had children, you know that ch children ruin everything. 
including your body and your youth and your dreams and everything, but they make it a lot richer so they can fit. Um, so I already had gained probably like 30 some odd pounds since having children that were not gonna go away. They just weren't, that's how it is. It sucks, it's just what it is. And then a couple of years ago, I got this idea in my head. I should probably back up, but basically about seven, eight years ago, I went through like a pretty traumatic experience and it shook me up really bad. And so for a while, I, you know, I still went to meetings. I knew what I had to do. And I'm the kind of girl, I'm great in a crisis. It's afterward that things are, you know, once the crisis is passed, it, it gets hard for me. And so when I was sort of like dealing with the fallout of everything that had happened, this little worm got in my brain that was like, you know, all these people talking about forgiveness, they wouldn't say that if they'd gone through what I went through, you know? And suddenly it was like, I was sort of questioning everything. And then suddenly, just like suddenly the guy got the idea to put some whiskey in his milk. I got this idea that I could, I could maybe try intuitive eating. So for those of you who may not be unfamiliar with intuitive eating, in and of itself, it's, I think it's wonderful for people who have a a um, in imbalanced relationship with food who, you know, it, it for people who deal with, um, you know, body dysmorphia and, you know, people who are not addicted to food, this is a wonderful concept in that you listen to your body and you let it tell you what it wants to be fed. Lovely. I love that holistic shit. But for me, when I introduce certain substances into my body, I kick off a phenomenon of craving and I cannot stop it. But I forgot that because I thought, because I had been in program for so long and had been abstinent for so long. So I embarked on an interesting experiment that failed after four months, during which time I gained 30 pounds. And New Year's Eve, 2020, um, I found myself eating a, no, I'm sorry, 2019, I found myself eating a, an ice cream cake with a spoon and like not a slice, like the whole cake with a spoon. And my husband was like, you know, I don't think that's intuitive eating. And I was like, you know, I think we should get divorced. Um, but we didn't anyway. So, but you know, this whole time that we had, we've been together, we've been married almost 15 years since. And that also is a testament to this program that I can be married to the same person for 15 years instead of married to different people over the course of 15 years. Um, so he had always heard me saying, if I eat this stuff, I'll die. If I eat this stuff, I'll die. And the first time I ever ate sugar in front of him, he was like, what are you doing? You know, it freaked him out. So he kept his eye on me, but I wasn't really ready to hear until I was doing things that I knew were just not, you know. So. Basically, New Year's Day, 2019, I called my old sponsor back who I had fired because I knew she wouldn't sign on to my intuitive eating experiment. And I said, I want to start again. She was like, okay. So I started again. So it's been almost two years since then. So I was abstinent for about 15 years, four month break, and then two more years. So um, that said, I once I got abstinent again, I started working out every day. When, I know a lot of people gained a lot of weight during Corona. I was the opposite. I got really into exercise for my mental health because I was working full-time and homeschooling three children at home simultaneously. Um, and no one died, so that was good. Um, but I knew that the only way that that would happen was if I was taking care of myself. So I exercised religiously like five days a week. 
you know, the weights, the bike, the, the heavy cardio, like all, I did all the things and my weight didn't move. I was abs like abstinent, clean and abstinent. And to this day, two years, I've been abstinent. I, now I do yoga every day. I do an hour of yoga. My weight hasn't moved. And Rita will tell you, I will call her sometimes and be like, this is horseshit. <laughs> okay. Like this is ridiculous because I weigh now 75 pounds more than my lowest weight, which was too low. Okay. And my weight's not going anywhere, but, but my, I have, and my sister-in-law is, um, just got out of like eating disorder treatment and she's much, 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 much thinner than me. And I would not trade places with her for all the money in the world. Because even though I weigh what I weigh today, and I don't love the way I look. I mean, my husband still thinks I'm cute. My kids think I'm beautiful. Do I love it? No. But I am content and I am peaceful and I have a relationship with God and I go to sleep every night with my conscience clear and I just feel you have to. Thank you. I've never had that. I never had that before this program. And I never had that really. This is like a new level because I'm finding wholeness with an Im imperfect, but I guess not up to my standards exterior. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm so serene. I'm so this when, you know, I have the perfect body weight and the perfect, like, it's not, I don't, I'm not where I want to be, but if I'm doing everything that I can and it's not, then it's, God wants me somewhere else right now. And it's none of my freaking business. So instead of sitting here and obsessing about the number on the scale, I'm going to say, okay, I'll be abstinent today and I'll speak on a meeting and I'll sponsor and I'll look for direction because it's not my problem. It's not my problem. And if I die tomorrow, no one's going to be like, oh, it's really a shame that she weighed so much. That's not what they're going to say. They're going to say she was hilarious and she was a really good writer and she took, she was a damn good mother and she busted her ass for her family and she has a lot to be proud of. So, you know, fine with me. Um, I just want to thank Rita for inviting me to speak here and to thank all of you and to just say like, no matter where you are, if you've been here for a day, if you've been here for years, like there's always more to learn and more will be revealed. And it's not always going to be like this, which is a, a terrible thing and a good thing. So just keep coming back. Thanks.